Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, people think just my mind and my legs, my muscles, but there's other vital organs within the body that really the marathon is that brutal. It will break you. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plod. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Running with Jake, the podcast. The podcast that is exactly what it says on the tin. It is your weekly dose of running motivation. We want to fire you up, wake you up, get you up, lace you up. We just... <laughs> we, no, we're not going to lace anybody up. That sounds wrong. Part of the service, man. It's not. We're not, part of the we're service. not lacing anyone. I tell you what, this is really weird because um, we're doing this uh, little bit now for the show uh, a few hours before we normally do it. We normally do it on a Tuesday morning really early and we're doing it late on on a... Um, I've lost a track of the day. It's Monday. That's it. Monday evening. And, um, yeah, this is weird. I don't feel quite right about this. I'm sat here in my um, smoking jacket and, um, you know, I'm ready for my evening. Well, if you don't feel right about it, I definitely <laughs> don't feel right about this whole situation. In fact, you can multiply that by probably 50, maybe even 70. I see you on the video. Obviously, that's how we communicate. We don't just want audio here. We want. I want to see you, Pete, the producer of the podcast. I know it's you because you have a P for Peter... Uh, nicely <laughs> embroidered on your what looks like a bathrobe. Yeah, it's not a smoking gown. You're right, it is a bathrobe. Um, and like I say, normally, you know, I'm I'm up for it. I'm there sat in my pyjamas talking to you first thing in the morning. And this is last thing in the evening. And this is what you get, mate. Um, a, a fat naked man in a gown with a pee on it. So I'm, I'm sorry. That's all I've got to give you. I bit the bullet and went out for a run this afternoon because like whole of life was doing my head in. And that's why I use running because... I get wound up by stuff all day long, and then um, about half four, five o'clock, I just went, "Oh, stuff it! I, I need to get, I need to get out." So I did that, and then I had a shower, and since then I've been sitting around in my um, in my robe, monogrammed <laughs> robe, if you will. Did you know there is there is a small part of me? And I'll be very honest in this. Genuinely, there's a small part of me that's actually quite jealous. I'm quite envious of your rather lovely, plush-looking bathrobe. Do you know why? I've actually just this second got out of the bath. Seriously, I've had... Yeah. But you've got dressed again. What have you done that for? No, no, I am dressed again. I am dressed again. Oh. But I, I had a bath because I had a bit of a soak. I thought, I've, I've got a tough interval session tomorrow. I'm a little bit... People listening to the show will, will get this. If you've got a tough session planned, it's on your training plan, maybe your coach is giving it to you, 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 know, you, you know it's coming up. You're like, ah, I feel a bit anxious about this. So I've got a tough session tomorrow. I thought, what can I do to help myself? It's a rest day today, long run yesterday, no training today. I thought, I'm just going to have a soak. I'm going to do the whole Epsom salt bath thing. So that's what I did. Do you know what's really interesting about all this sort of stuff when it comes to, I guess, recovery and things that, potentially can promote your health, your wellness, get you prepared for certain sessions. If they make you feel better psychologically, then I think that can give you the bit of the a bit of an edge. It can it's definitely worth doing. Does that make some sense? So we actually speak about this sort of stuff. We get into a lot of marathon chat, a lot of marathon talk with today's guest. Uh, which I'm really, really can't wait for you to hear. He's a great guy, really knowledgeable, really passionate. 
But if something makes you feel better and you think it may help your training, then it's definitely worth doing. That could be a soak in the bath. It could be a little bit of foam rolling, a bit of stretching, a brisk walk before a tough session, whatever you feel might work for you. I'm all for it, man. All for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm completely for that. Anything that makes you feel good is what I'd say. And, uh, you know, personally, I'd rather than, you know, put some Epsom salts in the bath, I'd rather go to a spa and have a gin and tonic. That would be... That would be more, more what, I'd, what I'd be into. Well, look, but, fortunately know. for all of us, especially for me, we actually recorded the call with today's guest the other day, which means that while we're playing out the call, please go and get change, man. Just put some <laughs> decent clothes on. This is decent. I mean, if I were to stand up really quickly and lunge, not so much. Don't do that. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Are you a small business owner or self-employed? Is the admin starting to take over your life and your enjoyment of your business? You started your business with a vision. If you're the same as most small business owners, that vision wasn't spending long hours on admin that take you away from what you love doing. Sounds like a virtual assistant is what you need. To find out exactly what they do, how they can help, and so many useful small business management tips, then listen to the podcast, How to Work with a VA Day-to-Day on your podcast app. Running with Jake, the podcast. Today's guest is former 800-metre and 1,500-metre athlete Vince Wilson. He's a running coach, super passionate, super knowledgeable, and he's definitely up for a good chat about all things running today. Vince, how are you doing? I'm all right. Um, I do manage the odd 800, trying to keep up on the warm-ups with the guys over at Loughborough. That's about it. Oh, man. Do you, are you still doing it, keeping your hand in a bit? Because quite seriously, I have seen you on, on Instagram here and there, doing some bits and bits and pieces. You, I've got you on Zoom now as we speak. You look in good shape, my friend. Are you still keeping your hand in? I try to at least, as I say, join in with the warm-ups, join in with the drills, especially when you're executing them, and I feel it's better to demonstrate rather than just talk through them. But in terms of... Um, Long, long runs, not really, just little bits and pieces, just to keep in reasonable shape. I do run with my local community, which is just the beginners, uh, ladies of Tamworth, and maybe 5K, 6K, that's about it, once a week with them. Obviously, that takes like a huge amount of pressure off as well, and I want to pick your brains today. We want to get chatting all things marathon motivation. It's a key time at the moment. People stuck into training plans, marathon training, or maybe they're kind of a bit slow out the blocks this year, getting going. The training for spring marathon, we're going to help them. But just picking up on, on your running for a moment, did you miss kind of the whole competing thing? And when you were, you know, really going for it, do you miss it? Or is that something that's in the past now? I had this exact same conversation with somebody who's ready to retire on a different sport. And I was saying to him that at this moment in time, you know, you think you won't miss it. And I actually thought that. Um, and you possibly don't for the first six months, t- 12 months. But then when you're watching the sport on TV or you're at a competition and you're watching it, it is then, it's later on, like now I do miss it, you know. And um, initially you don't think you do, but you'll tell everybody you won't. You'll think you'll not miss the training because obviously, you know, it's brutal if, uh, if you're focused and you're getting out there most days. But um, I think you miss it more later on when you're reflecting back and thinking, I was so fit to be able to do that. So you, you will miss it, and I do miss it now, yeah, to be fair. We speak to a lot of different people on, on the podcast, as you know. We speak to you know elite athletes, uh, re- former elite athletes, uh, and, and also current sort of uh, athletes as well. And a lot of people say, 
long time retired. I hear that phrase quite a lot. And I guess that's any sport as well, isn't it? You know, it's kind of, it's a difficult thing to completely hang your boots up, I guess. You know, you want to kind of stay in there a little bit and keep that, keep that, keep that memory. I mean, you must have some amazing memories though, from the things that you did, some, you know, achievements that you're proud of, surely. I mean, the the biggest highlight was uh, being in the stadium when the dream mile was being run. And I got an invitation to run in a a thousand meter race. Um, So, that, when I was a lad, was called the Golden League. It's not a Diamond League. Um, but then <laughs> stepping out in front of, uh, you know, I ran the Amazon Car Mile um, at Gateshead as well, my hometown. This was in the uh, the heights of the Kevin Keegan era. So I'm coming out with a Newcastle <laughs> shirt on to warm the crowd up. It was that far back. Back it had uh, Andy Cole on the back, but I got a few two-normy chants. But uh, that's like that's 19, 20 or something, you know, and that type of you know memories that live on with you uh, but bizarrely one of the biggest memories I remember was uh, the end of my career I was 31 I decided that was it I, you know I'd run 149 and I thought I'm, I'm not getting any faster now so uh, you know the 145 ambitions were, um, were out the window and nobody had any ideas of making any carbon spikes back then so I thought right, I'll retire but the best memories was the clock went full circle so basically I mean that in the fact that um I finished off where I began, which was the North of England Men's League. And I was running for Jaro in a meeting over in the Sheepmount Stadium in Carlisle. And um, it was just great because you're on a bus with your teammates. Um, we got there, we took a football, we took, we had a kick about. That was our warm-up. I remember running an 800. There was a young guy who was actually went on to be the first athlete I ever coached. This guy was in the race. He was dead nervous. He says, look, my arm. I'm done, I'm retired. He was asking me, how fast are you going to go through? You know, and I said, tell you what, take the first lap. What's your best time? This guy was about 155. And I goes, get yourself through in 57. I'll pick the reins up and just hang on to the back. And he hung on, bless him in there. But I still didn't, the competitive edge was still there. So it, was, it wasn't the biggest field, but I managed to win it, get the points. But you know what it was? It was two good things. One was... First of all, I managed to win a race because <laughs> when you're at the shop, it's very rare you're winning. But it was nice to have that winning feeling. But more importantly, it was, uh, it was remembering this is where I began. I began my trade, my coach, Jimmy Headley, the late Jimmy Headley and great Jimmy Headley. When I was 16, 17, he put me in these men's leagues to go and get roughed up, toughed up, knocked off the track. And that actually happened at uh, North of England Championships. He wouldn't let me run the North of England Junior Championships. He used to make me race the... The seniors, he used to say in the Geordie phrase, you're not run, running with the bands. Go and race the men. The bands as children, you know. <laughs> Go and race the men. And But yeah, it was great when you get roughed up, toughed up. You learn your trade as a junior athlete and as a beginning of your journey in them type of races. And um, yeah, I finished off there. And it, was, it was just a great atmosphere with the lads on the bus, the camaraderie, doing a relay at the end of it. Maybe throwing it, I think I threw a javelin as well, so... They are good memories and they live with you forever and it's bizarrely they stick out more than some of the, you know, I went to a European under-23s and some other events which were quite good, but I've got some fonder memories at the lower leagues. As a podcast host, Vince, as I, as I sit here every week and record uh, chats with different people and at some point I forget that I'm actually recording a podcast and it's just a good old conversation with somebody like yourself who comes alive when they start to talk about the great memories that they've chalked up you know <laughs> and the past history I can see you sort of come alive and you start to come really yeah. animated on the video it's just it's amazing and you know they stay with you don't you don't they for a long time and I guess that experience as well that you gained in your own running I guess that must help you to help other 
people as well, you know, as a coach now and helping people at different levels because you've kind of been there, done it, you've experienced the difficulties, the challenges. And something I want to pick straight up on there is what you said about roughed up, toughed up. You said that twice. I think that's really interesting. Now, I know when you were competing, it was very often about competing against other runners. So it's about beating the composition, uh, competition role. It's about finishing position. But for people that are perhaps training for marathons at the moment, we know it's a slog. We know it's a tough journey. And perhaps they're not racing other people or looking at position. They're just looking at some time that's meaningful to them. Do you think it's important to get out there and, and, and experience a little bit of, of roughness and toughness, whether that's just battling through the weather or motivation when you're not really feeling it? Because it's going to be tough in the race, right? How, what's your view on kind of strengthening the mental side of, of training for something like a marathon? Um, so these are the conversations I have day in, day out, let alone, let alone week in, week out. Um, and across all levels, as it's, you know, I've made it clear before, I don't just look after elite athletes. Uh, you know, we look after um, athletes, you know, who've maybe one year into the sport, maybe even only two years into the sport, maybe just started the sport in their 40s, you know, and start embarking their journeys in their 40s as such. Um, and so from the highest end of the tree as such, uh, if you look at Samantha Harrison, uh, she finished running the marathon. Uh, we dusted her down, give her a couple of weeks off, a couple of weeks easy. Um, I do like to sort of start the athletes, um, you know, obviously the mileage has dropped uh, from that period of marathon block, but we're just easing back in. But I do like to get somebody on the start line for like a 5K, uh, you know, that's no real pressure. It's only 5K, you know, it's not your event. You'll race the 5K specialists, the 1500 guys. And that requires, you know, I remember leading up to that, Samantha was very sort of not really sure. And, you know, the podium are blitzing out daily on their Instagram. You know, they, we've got Holly Arsh, we've got Revy Nolan, Olympic 1500 finalists, etc., etc. And um, so the mindset of Samantha was a bit... She was nervous, which is great. You want nerves. Um, you know, she hadn't raced since London. She's not a 5K specialist, but you've sort of got to switch that round and flip it and go, well, exactly. You've got nothing to prove, you know, but we need you to be on that start line, you know, being knocked about, being pushed about. Because these track guys, you know, they're used to running on an inside lane, pushing, knocking, shoving, and they'll bring that into a 5K, you know, so... Someone like Samantha who has all this space on the road and as wide as you want, and it's especially London Marathon, the way, you know, at the front end, it was, they were on their own, you know, after, a, you know, they've got the whole of London streets. So I think it's very important to get roughed up and toughed up, you know, pushed, shoved. Her first ever track race under me was the British Championships for 5,000 metres. She hated it, hated it. And like, I said, look, you better get used to it. Because she got pushed, she got spiked, she got scratched, you know, and uh, it was a cat fight out there. And, um, you know, that's at the high end. But then I've got people, as I say, who running maybe their first marathon. But Adelaide yesterday, for example, she ran a, a half marathon over at the Brass Monkey Half. Um, and her mindset is um, a bit, on my own admission, she worries, she overthinks as such. And the best thing you can do in any situation like that is what I used to get told get on the line, get on that start line, you know, get used to this, take it on board because the only way you're going to learn and apply yourself is to get involved in races and get used to being knocked around where the pressure's on. We're not just talking about the physicalities of other athletes, we're talking about getting through 5k and you're thinking, okay, right, um, that feels quick, that's hard and I've still got a long way left to go, you know, left to go and uh, that toughens you up, you know, when, the, when, the, when it's pressure's on, 
you want to be competing, you're tired, the body's screaming, you're, you're fatigued, but you've still got to find, and we broke the race down, so it was centred around her last 5k, if anything, and that's really when the race re- begins, I believe, in the 5k, uh, but like the marathon doesn't really begin the last, until the last 10k, and you really, really find out a lot about yourself mentally, you know, but it comes from an inner toughness, and we, we try to instil that, week in week out with certain training blocks certain training sessions and it's vital you know to get mentally as well as physically toughened up we chat semi-frequently vince uh, since we've had you on the podcast the first time we spoke which was many many months and almost years ago now i think it was uh, in the early days of the podcast and and we see eye to eye on, on this sort of thing and i think it's very interesting because it's easy to avoid pain in life isn't it you know take the the path of least resistance whereas what we're saying here you've got to go and chalk up that experience so get stuck in and, and experience you know serious fatigue and and sort of those mental obstacles and those barriers because then when it comes to your main racing event you've been there haven't you you can draw back on those experiences of well sunday morning you know i got out there and did a 20 mile run or whatever it might have been and i really didn't feel like it and it was tough going in the last kind of 5k 10k but i did it and you can use that can't you in the yeah. race I mean, I tell you what I always find. Uh, so I've got a guy, for example, who's out in Lebanon serving us, you know, one of the forces guys. And this guy is a tough, tough cookie. You know, he's got to be careful where he runs. Obviously, he's now on site. But when, you know, over the years, he'll have been, you know, thinking, I can't run over there. I'm like, you know, there's mines and all sorts of things. And the mindset of certain athletes I look after is, uh, you know, and I find it depends on their background. For example, um, going back to their early childhood days, um, and, you know, I've served as a club coach uh, in the communities for over 10 years, you know, and I found some of these tough, tough kids from some tough estates, you know, they're already, you know, the way they've been brought up, they're, they're ready for the battle as such. And there are certain athletes, you know, um, who don't have that mindset. And that as a coach, I'll be honest, I find my biggest challenge, you know, I I can work physically and everything else. You tap into the mindset, but certain athletes, it, it depends on background. And, you know, a long story short with myself, I was brought up in the care system from 13. My mum just off she went. And so when a kid's home, a young teenager, uh, years with my older brother, you know, you were fighting for all sorts, you know, you're fighting for your space at the table, be fighting for the pudding and it was all shared out. And, you know, when you've brought, when you're brought up in a different environment, that, um, toughens you up you know I, I went I boxed before I ran for example for four and a half years and the training elements of that is you know brutal uh, I've got a guy from Redditch who does taekwondo as well and he's ready for anything there's certain people you can really coach physically but in terms of their mental aspects the ones who are already accustomed to toughness in life you know toughness at work toughness in you know life you know as i say overall with their day-to-day they're they are really big they're warriors when they come to race and they take no prisoners you know this brickley i've got up in manchester springs to mind and he's literally he is a grafter this guy couldn't he was a 39 minute 10k guy he's now run 35 but he and he's he's the first on the phone when's my plan coming i can't wait for that session and his background he's a he's from the tough streets of manchester grant the coolest guy and he just can't wait to get out there and do battle when he races his mindset it's it's phenomenal and i wish some of the other guys i looked after had half of what he's got because you can't train for that it's inside of you you know and as a coach i find a really really biggest challenge 
to promote that type of mentality and toughness. I think that's one of the biggest advantages to coaching and having support actually and there's obviously many benefits to having some support and coaching in all areas of life but with running coaching I find it's understanding the individuals that we work with because they are individuals you know you're nodding away here as I say this it's that you've already mentioned the different types of people that you work with personalities and that's the difference between just pulling a kind of general plan out of a book or offline I'm not saying they're particularly bad but it, but it obviously isn't one size fits all what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for the next not just physiologically speaking but also the psychology of what works well for them some people respond well to pressure some people don't I think that's a really key takeaway there that you mentioned actually Vince talking about people that are pretty hardy had challenges in life they can draw on that listening to this episode now if you're somebody that is perhaps maybe it's your first marathon so you haven't got any experience of training for a marathon or or running or racing one but have you experienced challenges in your life you know difficult day to days it could be an intense meeting or period at work it could be anything that you can draw on if you've been in a challenging situation you know what it feels like because the feelings are the same you just have to kind of translate that across to running and, and, and use it to get the best out of yourself just staying with somebody that's running perhaps their first marathon Vince it's easy to I think and I see this a lot put too much pressure on oneself and we know it's such a massive thing a marathon you can't do them like you can 5k's obviously because of the 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 distance of them how would you advise somebody manage their expectations going into the first into a first marathon if somebody's completely new to it what's your what's your thoughts on that yeah I mean first of all I do the biggest message I get to anybody running their first and I remember I did one and one only at the end of my career I did it when I was 40 I thought it was important and um and I use this phrase a lot I think a marathon is a life achievement I would actually put running a marathon up there to go and doing the trek up Kilimanjaro those who have done that I haven't and they might disagree but I just tell people and I do believe to run 26.2 miles or even walk for it. I think it's a huge life achievement it's something you can be proud of you know I, I had my medal you know still from London it's only one on display in all the years of my running and I did some half decent races but first of all take it as a life achievement don't look upon the marathon of like, I've got to run four, I've got to run three. Strip away the times. Um, in terms of position, you can't give yourself a position because there's thousands and thousands. But simple <laughs> advice, look upon it. This is a huge lifetime achievement. And if I do it and I enjoy it, do you know what? I'm going to train a little bit more uh, focused and I've got a benchmark of a time. And then maybe my second one, then I've got a benchmark to chase. But first time out, absolutely it's not a cliche go and enjoy it because you won't enjoy it. it's 26.2 mile look upon it it's going to be blood sweat tears mindset's going to be asking some huge questions of itself but you will finish it and tell yourself you will get to that finish line no matter which way or form but you will get there i completely agree with what you've just said vince and i think that is fascinating about you won't enjoy it because it's 26.2 miles. You may enjoy the whole experience and the aftermath and the achievement and being with people afterwards and crossing the line and having the medal displayed at home and when you cast your mind back to that amazing weekend in London or Berlin or Manchester or wherever you were you were in the world when you achieved those 26.2 miles. But it's flipping hard work. And, and I think we do often hear about oh, it's enjoyable, it's enjoyable, it's got to be fun, it's got to be fun, you've got to enjoy it. And sometimes I think that can be taken slightly too far because it's, there's obviously going to be discomfort in that in that race. In achieving that goal, of course, there's going to be discomfort. So in terms of 
managing expectations. We've spoken a little bit about that. You've mentioned some of the different types of people you work with, Vince, the really driven individuals that are just up for it. On the phone, where's my plan? I'm ready. Let's go. They can, they're really, you know, they can tough it out. Is there a risk that that type of individual and personality could overtrain, could risk pushing it too much in training? How do you hold people back if they just, if, if the accelerator is always to the, to the ground? So 100% what you've said is exactly what this guy's like, you know. Um, <laughs> they talk about keeping the reins on, you know, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm Bruce. I could, could pull up some messages, you know, of uh, what's been said on, on the chats and such. So um, this guy uh, in particular, you know, um, I remember he just finished sort of um, some good races in the summer. I think it's important to have a break. Physically and mentally. So October time, I'm saying, look, downtime now. You know, you've ticked up some some achievements. You know, we need to, we need to set some new goals. Um, this guy is um, he's not going to be running a marathon, but he loves to run his 10Ks, his 5Ks. Hopefully half soon enough and you never know. But what my biggest message is to him uh, and anybody else, and most of the athletes will probably be nodding when they listen to this, is I think it's criminal for any athlete, when they've had a bit of a break... If they can't get to December without an injury, they've overdone it. You should be looking upon the foundations of simply, you know, October, November, December. There's a 12-week base building period. So we're not looking at running hard. So my message to him and anybody else is, we're looking at putting foundations in. Forget the track. We're not going on the track. Forget all your high-speed intervals. We're not doing all that stuff. It is important that the foundations are laid um, we're not looking, you know, he wants to thrash it. He's saying, where's he? Oh, my favourite sessions, where are they? They're not happening, <laughs> you know? Everything's all in hand, you know? But buy into what the coach is actually trying to put out there. You know, we, you've come to us to ask for some advice and create a plan, but believe in it, you know, and buy into it because ultimately, you know, there will be a time where they think, am I ready, am I not ready? But just, it's the reassurances, but keeping the reins on the overzealous types and get them to understand the bigger picture. And once they get that, you know, they, you, you pipe down and you'll say, yeah, 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 and you'll go and race, you run faster than before, and you think, actually, yeah, I've got to keep listening, you're right. How do you sort of advise people, let's say that are perhaps not working with a coach at the moment, how would you advise people really think about their training so that they avoid injury or they reduce the risk? We know, of course, injury can strike at any point, but what, what are some key thoughts or principles? First and foremost, uh, look at the end goal. Is it a Manchester Marathon, let's say, in, in the early spring? Is it the late one in October? Be it, you know, I'm just talking domestic ones, London, for example. Um, get yourself a war planner. Put it down. You know, Stick that on there so you can see it daily as well, somewhere visible. Because uh, it's too easy to think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do the marathon. I bet you thousands of people who listen to this must resonate and think, yeah, yeah I entered London Marathon. Yeah, I've got loads of time. I've got loads of time. It's, it's April, it's May. All of a sudden, come July, August, I think, geez. They start to go in panic mode. They haven't done it. So first and foremost, get a war planner, stick it in there, but work back over. I always say to work back over from the end goal. And if you look at that, you've got to then break down your year and it's got to be broken down into different periodizations. So for example, if we look at um, sort of someone like Samantha Harrison, you know, she's got a main target. Uh, she'll run one marathon this year. We know to run that, we've got to look at, well, where's the area's improvement? So you, you can break down each sort of 10, 12-week block of training and you've got to plan yourself, what am I going to achieve throughout these blocks? And, and I say blocks because it's important that you have these blocks um, rather than just week to week, week to week, you know, of 
you go out the door and you put your shoes on, you've come back and you think, hey, I've been out for an hour. Uh, oh, I've, I've done myself some intervals. You've got to think, why am I doing these intervals at this time? Uh, why am I doing this easier run? Why am I doing this long run? And you've got to use blocks and use each block as... Uh, if I look at our current blocks at the minute, it was uh, speed. Uh, we were looking at 5K I talked about, which then catapulted onto a 10K PB. Um, and then we're building up towards some half marathon block. So the next, you know, we're looking at some uh, half marathons that will happen um, sort of around about March time. Um, and then from that, the next periodization is, right, it's going to be a track season. We need to master again, 10,000 metres, 25 laps. So we've got a periodization again where we look at, you know, uh, some warm weather altitude in April, leading right up to July. And again, this is a track season block, so we need to be on the track more. Uh, we need to be having a bit more focus on the track competitions as well. But then equally, if you, as much as oh, you've got marathons obviously coming up as well, you've got to look at some trade-offs and some sacrifices. So you're going to be sacrificing the back end of your track season because your marathon block starts, so your mileage increases. So you're sort of balancing as well. So the best advice is look at what you want to achieve throughout the year and plan it to detail or get a coach who will help you plan that to detail to make sure whatever your targets are, you're in the best shape possible by working with somebody who understands your planning and and understanding you and your lifestyle and how best to get a plan around your job, your children, your career, uh, whatever little time you have, but maximise that time when you go out the door. don't know what your thoughts are on this. Vince, but I was speaking with uh, my girlfriend Martina over the weekend about this during our long run, and we're talking about coaching and things. And I think one of the biggest things I see that I that, that makes up a lot of time for me in terms of the coaching is helping people to adapt their sessions. So they've got a plan. I can I can help them with that. But it's when things don't go to plan or they go better than we intended. So what what adjustments do we need to make to the actual sessions? You know, maybe they miss a long run, for example, because they tested positive and they had to self-isolate. If you're following just a standard plan, what do you do? How do you adapt that? And I think you mentioned very early on in this chat about somebody that overthinks and it is easy to overthink things isn't it oh is this right or is that wrong or should i which is the best training approach because there's so many different ways whereas actually somebody like yourself and with my role as a coach we do the thinking with the athlete but the idea is to take on board some of that responsibility because it can be a bit of a minefield can't it knowing how to adjust sessions and adapt even little little niggle you hear i always respect any niggle so look, look literally two days off you know and all of a sudden, you know, somebody slipped, for example, on the ice the other day and just jarred and you're better having two days off and two weeks off. And then, but then they go, well, where do we pick back up? Do I just get straight back on the plan? No, um, we need to, we can't, because tomorrow's a session. We can't throw you straight into a session. Um, so you've just got to throw caution at the wind every time and just rejig things. Uh, and it may well just be a period of like 20 minutes easy running. Is there anything? No. Right, uh, let's just go on the on the cross train of 30 minutes, you know, because people underestimate, again, the value and the importance of uh, cross training, be it a cross trainer, be it the epileptic, be it the... Uh, uh, electrical sorry and then also jumping on a bike for example and there's so many ways where if you're coming back from illness injury you don't need to go out the door uh, and run especially if we're just looking to take over the aerobic system and test a few biomechanics as such that can for example if you've 
tweaked an ankle, you can push through the cross trainer, you know, you're going to feel it. If it's still there and you're better doing it on there, then hit some impact on the road. So listen closely with what your coach does. Don't jump straight back onto a plan. Yeah, sometimes it's it's getting creative when it comes down to problem solving rather than just thinking, oh, I don't really know what to do there. Or maybe I just go out and do the session that I intended on doing anyway. You've just got to look at things objectively, which is not always so easy. Take a step back and go, well, what, what's the right thing to do here? Not what do I want to do? What is the right thing to do? I want to pick your brains on long runs. Obviously, this is a, a staple ingredient for all runners, but particularly the if you're really doing the long stuff, like the marathons we've spoken about a lot today. How important are long runs? I know that's a, a, quite a broad question, but how important in your mind are long runs for, for marathon runners, Vince? And how important is it to do them frequently? You know, do you, does it have to be every week? How, do, how would you build up the long run for somebody, let's say, that's perhaps pretty new or it's their first ever marathon? Um, so first of all, if we look at, um, let's just say we start in the, the new year, I try to do a marathon block. Ideally, you want about at least 16 weeks. You know, but I've got people that might come on board, you know, even now, and we look at, well, what's your training history over the last two, three months? And they've all brought, already possibly the foundation, so you can work with that. I will always gradually put gradual increase on that. Um, I think it's important to have, which I talked about earlier, uh, a foundation block. So if I know someone has had a, an ideal preparation of just build up running, you know, let's just say some of these some of my guys are running a Manchester Marathon who've been on board uh, you know, since last year. Uh, we just build the blocks October, November, December, gradual increase of mileage. Uh, the long run in particular there is no more than 12, 14 miles. Um, and then um, what we sort of do from January, February and March, these are the, the next 12 weeks, um, I would, uh, first of all, not have them running every Sunday, let's just say, where they're going to do... 18 mile 20 mile 22 um, and incorporate um, at least once a month um, depending on the athlete depending on their um, if they're a, a full time athlete part time athlete or they're a full time worker uh, so there's a lot of factors there attributed to how we develop at least uh, a, a session within that long run so instead of going out and going doing that 20 miler um a lot of them I'd introduce three by five miles, a mile easy, five mile uh, outside a marathon pace, five uh, mile recovery, a five mile at uh, marathon pace, a mile recovery, and then five mile inside of marathon pace. So, and then a cool down. So all of a sudden you get yourself, you know, sort of 17, 18 miles. Um, but I call that a run with a purpose, you know, and uh, it's not mm. just a, a slog out there and running outside a marathon pace. And that can be developed um, we might well do a split 20 miles, so it's 10 miles at fat burning, just literally outside of marathon pace. Moving the last 10 miles, this would be sort of uh, a key session. That's run around about at least six weeks before the marathon. Uh, you see a lot of people, I feel, have fallen into the trap of the entry, like, for example, locally there's a one called the Ashby 20, um, or, you know, some big 20-mile road races, uh, maybe three, four weeks before the marathon, and they use that as their preparation, but I believe it's the wrong way to prep to prepare because if you're going to go and run that 20 mile hard, you know, or throughout at marathon pace, you think, oh, I'll just run at marathon pace because I'll be all right because it's six miles short. Trust me, you're going to run 20 mile at your intended marathon pace, that's going to take a lot out of you. But use certain long runs as a session, as a purpose, even if it's a 20 mile race, it doesn't have to be a race. Uh, but the long run, it's got to be planned meticulously and equally adding value to it by 
dropping in a session and a purpose to the workout. I'm smiling, Vince, because you mentioned the Ashby 20 there. I'm from Derbyshire originally, as you know, and the Ashby 20 is a very, very popular 20-mile race, and it's it's strategically positioned to, to build up and lead towards spring marathons. As long as, in my view, and I think we share this view clearly, that you don't treat it as a race and you treat it as a as a run, a training run, and maybe you can create your own creative session within that. You talk about some marathon pace stuff and outside of marathon pace. If you're really disciplined, you can do that. I'm smiling because it was my first ever race, Vince. I, I did the <laughs> London Marathon in 2008. I kid you not, it was my first ever race. I'd never done a 5K, a 10K. And I was completely wet behind the ears. I'd, I got a charity place to run the London Marathon. I was a personal trainer at the time. My client offered me the place. I said, yes. You know, it's like you talk about achievements like, you know, um, Kilimanjaro and running a marathon. That was the thing. I was like, oh, bucket list. I'll do it. And people say, oh, you should do Ashby 20. That's really good. You know, as part of the lead up to a marathon. OK, cool. And I just raced it. And <laughs> I was broken. I was absolutely broken. And I'm convinced that that impacted my my experience in London. I loved it, but it, it was still in the legs. I mean, you've got to be very careful with these 20 mile races, I think, haven't you? Yeah, 100%. You can't just think I'll be all right in four weeks' time. But because look at the marathon, you know, I talked earlier, the guys who are in marathons, they literally have a month off, two weeks of nothing, two weeks of jogging around, walking, cross training, and then we start training the month after. So it takes, I mean, you look at the science behind it, you know, the studies that show inflammation of major organs, you know, uh, bone, de- bone density, etc. the bones need repair, and there's a lot, you know, people think just my mind and my legs, my muscles, but there's other vital organs within the body that really, you know, the marathon is that brutal, it will break you. So there you go. If you listen to this and you have signed up for a 20 mile race or maybe a couple of half marathons as preparation, just be smart in how you use them. You don't have to treat every race as a race. They can be used as an event and as a training session. So the main goal, which is what you said earlier, Vince, you've got to focus on what is the target for the year. And if for you it's a spring marathon, make sure that that is the priority. In terms of preparation for for long runs, Vince, what's what's your thoughts for people that are perhaps still, you know, pretty new to marathons now? How, How best to prepare for it rather than just kind of think, okay, Sunday morning, Saturday morning, shoes on, out the door. Have you you got any kind of good ways to get mentally and physically prepared, starting maybe the day before, night before? Look at your training history and think, right, okay, if my longest run so far has been six mile, do I really want to increase that and go and hit 12, uh, 50% increase, you know? So look at your training history, be smart. Um, I think it's fine going from something like six mile to nine mile, you know, just to get that time on feet. Um, then obviously move it you know you can move it strategically at the right right levels if you're up against it for example you might be like now thinking okay right I'm running Manchester Marathon in April uh, in your longest run let's say is 7-8 mile um, so you've got to look at that and break down the month and not just panic first of all uh, you've got to look at how best can I plan make sure I'm getting this the amount of miles ready for that so you talk about the night before in effect you've got to be hydrated You've got to be fueled up for it. You've got to be, as soon as you're coming back, ready to refuel again. Um, and it's important that you choose a route that is not maybe so, so hilly because you don't really want to be going out there and let's say if you've done eight, nine mile before and you're planning on going up to about 13 mile, 14 mile, let's say for week one, you know, as that develops up to 16, 18 mile because there is time to, you know, get the mileage up 
uh, depending on how you've got to structure the rest of the week accordingly because that will be the one that takes out of you. Forget the Tuesday night sessions, for example, down at the club. Forget that fast Thursday tempo or threshold run, whatever you're doing, and focus your week around the long run. Make that your workout. Make that the pinnacle part and make sure you're recovered around it. Make sure you've got a massage booked in on a Monday, for example. Get the foam roller out. Uh, you know, Get on some online yoga. But do every opportunity to make sure you, you recover from this because you want to be doing that week in, week out, or every seven days, every 10 days, or even 12th, but plan it so that that you can maximise it, but maximise your recovery, and that you're prepared and choose your route very carefully. In terms of fueling in, in long runs, what, what are some of your runners do? Have you got some kind of, you know, good thoughts and points on that? There's that much out there on the market. So, you know, not, not everything's going to agree with everybody. You could find yourself, you know, running to the trees half the time, you know. So, first of all, find a product that's right for you. And then ideal scenario to the long run, if you can get somebody out there on a bike with you, be it a partner, be it a friend, you're on your own as such, um, get them out there with the fuels on the bike, you know, and obviously get them handing across. And that's what I'll do with our guys. We use a, you'll know this obviously from your Derbyshire days, the Cloud Trail uh, is uh, the old disused railway that's tarmacked out, goes from Ashby de la Zouche, heads up towards Derby. But for miles, uh, you've got some nice flat sections of pathway in. We will use that. Uh, you know, Paul Radcliffe used to use it, which was at Loughborough University, and many marathon runners over the years have used it successfully. And if you've got somebody who can be with you, and if not, if you've got a venue which you know, uh, and you're on your own, I get the athletes to you know put your drink somewhere that uh, obviously not just blatantly in view. Someone's going to pick it up and discard it in a bin because they thought someone's dumped it, but put it strategically. Plan it if you have to go the day before put your drinks bottle somewhere that you only you know where it is and um, you know you've got that coming up. So it's important to practice the fueling. Um, you know, ideally as well, people think, oh, I'll take this because I'm, uh, I'm feeling a little bit uh, shaky at this moment. You know, you don't want to get to that point. You know, you want to be getting to the point where, you know, if you've, you did a run, for example, one week and after about... 15k your body starting to get that bit of oh i need some fuel in me um then it's important that the next week that you get that drink on board around about 10k so you're, you're ready it's not you know prevention better than a cure type of thing you've got to have these drinks strategically placed uh the type of drinks not just electrolyte massively you want some sort of protein based even if it's taking your gels it's important to practice the gels as well but again taking them before the body's requiring them is the best way and practices and practices and training so come race day you've mastered it i'll tell you something i do at the moment vince so we did martino and i yesterday for our run we're really trying to pin down timings of food and fluid in the morning so for breakfast so at what point do we stop drinking and stop eating so that we don't feel like we need the toilet for example you know that's you mentioned disappearing off visiting the trees we haven't got enough time on this uh, on this call to talk about all the times i've visited the trees over the years so you know how do we avoid that and we're just trying to get that window and, and i think yesterday was an hour and 15 minutes before we started the long run we stopped drinking and um and that seemed to work quite well it might need a little bit of fine tuning but this it's really good because what we're saying here is think outside the box a little bit. Don't just look at the run. Think about all those things around it, the preparation of that long run and also afterwards how you can recover. Vince, 
it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. I, I just, we get into so much detail. I love it. I could talk to you for hours. We must get you back on the show again in the future and catch up, motivate people. How's the rest of your week looking? What are you up to? Busy helping the runners that you've um, got for their races? Not as enjoyable as last week. Uh, last week was good. Was chilled. Watched a bit of snooker. Uh, this week is <laughs> back to reality. Session on at Loughborough on Wednesday. But the rest of it, to be fair, domestic duties that's about it domestic duties <laughs> gotta be done real life well if people want to catch up with you vince and what you're up to uh, it's run coach vince on instagram so go and check vince out there he posts quite a lot of stuff on there and if you want to look at his website it's runningonlinecoach.co.uk and we will do our best to help you prepare for all these great goals that you've got in 2022 hopefully the talk of pandemic and covid and isolation won't uh, won't won't prevent us from achieving these goals so vince thanks so much for chatting with me today i've got one last question before you shoot off yeah. so do not take those headphones off <laughs> vince this is your weekly dose of running motivation what does the word motivation mean to you Motivation to me is the ability to do something that you first of all want to be enjoying. You want to enjoy doing it. If you can't motivate yourself, how can you motivate others around you? Because we all speak about, I know I'm not about a coach, I'm not about family. We want to motivate our kids to do well. Set the example, lead by example. That's what motivation is to me. Comes from comes from yourself. Spread it. I love the determination there and the passion. Fantastic. Vince, have a great rest of the week, whatever you're up to. Catch up soon, my man. Cheers, Jake. Running with Jake, the podcast. Talking of bathrobes, which we obviously were, I don't know if you've just randomly joined the show halfway through, (laughs) then you might not realise we were actually talking about bathrobes at the start. We were talking about bathrobes. Talking of bathrobes, have you booked your hotel for Manchester? For the Manchester Relay, obviously you're taking part in this. I've managed to talk you into the Relay. You're only doing 10K. We had obviously the, the discussion slash debate slash battle slash argument over whether or not you were up for doing a half marathon as part of the Relay. You're not. That's fine. So 10K it is. Have you booked your hotel? I haven't booked my hotel, Jake, no. Because I must admit, I thought it was... 20k or nothing so i didn't know i was doing it am i still doing 10k are you serious are you serious no, i am serious yes i'm serious of course i genuinely thought it was because you said something about oh you know we couldn't book the 10k so we've all got to do 20k now well no there's the option to either do it as as a team of four so you're doing 10k each effectively or just a little bit over so just over a marathon distance you need to cover or you can do it as a pair and you can each run a half marathon so you're not up for that that's fine i get that so the former it is we've already agreed it becky one of my runners becky who's been amazing she is running the relay herself she did manchester marathon last year with us all it was wicked she's organizing it so you can't look you know how difficult it is to arrange parties gatherings relays i wasn't going to drop out it was just that i thought that it was like 20k or nothing genuinely and i went well i can't do it i can't do 20k i'm not doing 20k so then we had this thing about this, and I went, <laughs> and stormed out, and that was that, and I just thought it was off the cards. Can I just say, that's fine, and I get that, and I want to listen to your point of view always, we're good friends, but next time we have a little debate and you storm out, make sure you're not wearing your shortcut bathrobe, please. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is sometimes when I stand up, it gapes. I mean, I can't help that, can I? Sometimes when I storm out, that's the issue. Uh, but the answer is no, I haven't booked the hotel room, but at least now I know I've got to book a hotel room. When is it again? Oh, so gosh. the day right, after look, my birthday. You've got isn't the it? message. Check your phone. Get on Google. 
get searching for a hotel. Right now, I'm going to take another one of your questions. It is hashtag AskJake. Today's question comes from Sarah, who has two marathons very close together in spring. Now, due to the pandemic, like many people, she has had races deferred, which means she's got a marathon and then a second marathon, like four weeks between the two. Not a lot of time at all. Now, she knows it's not a smart thing to race them both. She's not going to do that, but she's unsure whether to race the first one and take it easy in the second one or take it easy in the first one and then really go for it in the second marathon. She wants to know what I think. So this is something that's quite common, actually, given the situation at the moment with all the races being deferred. It's a tricky one to really come to, a, a, I guess, an accurate, smart conclusion. But I think that the best option for you would be to race the first marathon, so long as you're in the shape and training's gone well enough for you to be able to do that, of course. And the reason I say race the first one is because... If you were to take it, let's say, easier in the first marathon, ready to really go for it in the second one, yes, you might be taking it easy, but it's still 26.2 miles. It's still a heck of a long way, and it will take the body quite a long time to recover from that. Uh, And also, in those few weeks leading up to the first marathon, you'd still need to take it a little bit careful, even though you weren't looking at racing it, because, again, it's a long way. So I think if you race the first one, allow the body to recover over those three, four weeks, And let's face it, worst case scenario, you could, of course, the aim is to run the second one very easy and and take things nice and slow, gentle, be kind to the body. But if you were not able to do that, because maybe you picked up a little niggle in the first marathon, maybe you're still not as you're not as recovered as you thought you would be. Worst case scenario, you could not put yourself in the situation and you could simply not do the second marathon. Yes, we want to complete these events and and create these events these amazing memories and chalk up these achievements but actually we are more important aren't we you are more important you want to keep yourself running and healthy so that would be my advice to you race the first one and then based on how that goes in your recovery then you can decide what to do in the second one i hope that helps good luck if you've got a question it's hashtag ask jake or you can drop us a quick email at podcast at runningwithjake.com <coughs> so when is it i need to book the hotel hotel for when when's the party First of all, are you serious you don't know the date? Yeah, yeah, I know it's around my birthday. It's either the 1st, 2nd or 3rd of April, I don't know. But the point well, is, when am I staying... Because I don't, I don't want to stay over before. I'll come on the train on the day, and then when it happens, I suppose... Well, is the party be- the day before or the day after, or, or on the day? First of all, it's not a party. Afterwards, definitely, absolutely, we're going to be meeting up for drinks and get together and celebrations. That's what it's all about, marathon weekends. It's right, not just right. about those 26.2 miles or 10 kilometers don't panic stay with me in your case obviously in the relay <laughs> God, panicking. almost lost him in his it was like a a, a cloud start, of smoke and I'll just start, bits I'll start of bathrobe everywhere again. i'll start flouncing he's back he's back so so you've got to book a hotel it's going to be far less stressful and, and it's organization is so important and i say this to a lot of people that are training for races big events like half marathons marathons where they're perhaps not local they've got to travel somewhere and they maybe leave it until the last minute and then they find that lots of hotels are already booked up you've got to get on it because you want to make sure that logistics are actually spot on you want it to be comfortable you don't want a massive commute to the start line and stress and arrival oh chaotic you don't want that so get your hotel booked it is the birthday weekend your birthday's on the saturday this is going to be an awesome belated birthday present on the sunday you get a medal and a banana, I think. I think they give you a banana when you're done. I think. If they don't, we'll get you a banana. You've just done a whole bit about telling people to book hotel rooms, but you've still not answered my question. When do I need a hotel room for? The day after your birthday. 
The 3rd of April. Yes. Right. If the you're travelling up on the... De- oh, my gosh. I mean, we're, we're, right. this is not going to help our listenership. We're going to lose listeners for this. Nobody cares about our race plans. Are you serious? <laughs> People don't care about my to-do list. No, we, of course. Book, hotel, of course. April right, look, you just You just get on that. Do that right. I'm mm, going to finish the I, show. Yeah. People have got stuff to do, right, runs to right. finish, places to go. Sure, sure. This has been your weekly dose of running motivation. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. A massive thank you to our guest, Vince Wilson, for joining us. We will be back next week and every Wednesday is when we release full-length episodes. If this is the first time you've ever found our little show and you enjoyed the craziness today, then please give us a little follow or subscribe. All you need to do is hit the little follow button on the app that you use to listen to today's show. Oh, I think that's everything. Pete, get on it. I'm going to be checking up on you next week to make sure you've booked a hotel. Mm. Everyone else, have a great week of running. Oh, and one more thing. Today, do what others won't. So tomorrow, you can do what others can't. 